Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Um, this is Paige here, and you're going to get the opportunity to hear from my dear friend, Janelle Martin. This series is on the spiritual gift of prophecy, and I want to encourage you with 1 Corinthians 14.1. This is the NIV version. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. The NLT translation says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also give you should also desire special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. We live in a time now, as much as ever, that it is of the utmost importance that we hear truth, and we know that the Lord gives us the Spirit of truth inside of us, testifying of the things to come, testifying of what is right. But it's not only essential that we hear truth, but also that we speak truth, and that we speak the truth in love as this verse is saying in 1 Corinthians 14, 1. I invite you on this journey. I welcome you on this journey to explore the basics surrounding the gift of prophecy. And I pray that your heart would be encouraged, that you would grow in faith, that you would grow in maturing in this gift, and that you would even be stirred to have um, a greater love for the Word of God as Janelle just unfolds unfolds both the Old Testament and the New Testament in examining the role of prophecy in our lives today. Thanks for joining us. Let us know if you have any questions. I hope that you have an ability to take notes as there's going to be some great information in this episode as we discuss the spiritual gift of prophecy. Hello, all. If you are listening to this, I hope that you got to hear our first podcast that should have already been shared. If you haven't, uh, I encourage you to go back. There are some basics that are in there that I will be expanding upon today. Um, But I just welcome you. Again, if this is your first time, my name is Janelle Martin, and I am honored to be here with you to share of my story of living the life of the prophetic because I do believe it's as much of a lifestyle as it is a calling for many. And I believe God desires for all of us to walk in that. And I welcome you onto this journey with me. So today, Lord, I just thank you for each listener. I thank you, Father God, that you're expanding our understanding. I ask that my vocal cords be used to speak only your words. I ask for each heart listening to know your love and to know that they are loved. You're so thankful for them. We're thankful for them tuning in today. But I just want to encourage someone listening. God is thankful for you. He's thankful for your obedience, but he's very thankful for your heart. You know, God is impressed with our whys more than what we do. And I just feel like someone that's listening today, you're just saying, I just want to please God. 
did you know what? You are pleasing to him because you are his. And if you haven't been saved and you don't know who I'm talking about, we would love to lead you in salvation. But I'm assuming I'm talking to someone that you've asked Jesus into your heart and you've been going to church, you've been in the Word, you've been doing all the things. But I just feel like God wants you to know that He loves you. He appreciates what you're doing, and He honors that. But He loves you even if you did none of those things. He's thankful that you're alive on the earth at this time. And he's thankful for you being here with us today because he has a plan for you. Let us open our ears and hear what he has to say to us today. So today we're going to start in Amos 3, 7. It tells us God desires to share his secrets with those who, he, who are his friend or another place calls it the prophets. And did you know... Um, there's a song called um, I Am a Friend of God's. It's an older song. But I remember when this scripture came to me, it was highlighted in this way. It was um, along the time that that song really became popular. So every time we would sing that song in church, I Am a Friend of God, he would. I would always hear Holy Spirit whisper to me, and I, I want to tell you my secrets. Do you want to hear my secrets? He would say, though, that's our comment. That's how me and God talk to each other. You know that he loves to talk with us in our own personality. And so he and I do a lot of talking during worship. But um, so some of you, I just feel like there's some listening today that you are lonely, but God wants you to know you're not alone. You are his friend and the Holy Spirit sticks closer than a brother. He is our friend. That is the God, the third. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I'm just, I'm personally thankful for them all. So today, I want to talk about a word of knowledge. A lot of times when people are talking about the prophetic, there will be different things, and they're going, oh, that's prophetic. And you're like, okay, well, how is that prophetic? In 1 Corinthians 12, 8, let's turn there real quick. For to me is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit into, let me back up. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. That's verses 8 and 9. I actually went over on, on into 9 there. But I want to talk about that word of knowledge it spoke of. I feel like that's where a secret. Sometimes he tells us a secret. Something that we didn't know, and we really have no business knowing, but something is going on with someone else. And God wants them to know that that he sees them, he hears them, and he's ready to meet them where they're at. Uh, The first time I remember hearing a word of knowledge from God 
I was in third grade, and I was doing my penmanship, if I remember right. Some days I remember the memory clearer than others, but uh, as I remember, I was doing my penmanship, and I just got a picture in my mind of my little brother standing outside my classroom, and he was crying. He was brokenhearted, and I knew that he needed me. So when recess time came and the classroom door opened, sure enough, there was my little brother standing. His head was bowed. And uh, this was back in, in the 70s. And that was back when polyester was very popular. And it was a hot summer day. We live here in Oklahoma. And he had a polyester little short set on. So he was sweating horribly. I just remember when they came out, he grabbed me. And, of course, as a big sister, my, I, my flesh would have said, Get away. Don't, don't sweat on me. But because God had given me that word of knowledge, he, I knew he would be weighty on me, and I knew I needed to be kind to him. Then I was able to minister to my own little brother, during recess time, and to just love on him. And that's all he needed, was to know that I was there and that I cared. I didn't do anything special, but just love on him. Then um, one book that I want to reference for you that I like it because it's just from a very humble, um, gentle man. His name is Larry Randolph. And the book is called User-Friendly Prophecy, and he is from Arkansas. I have many relatives in Arkansas. That might have been another reason this book um, blessed me, because God took um, this young man and used him greatly. But I wanted to share uh, first a simple story he had shared out of his book. Uh, when he was about age six, he had an impression that he knew how many eggs his hen had laid the night before. So there he was laying in bed, and and he thought, oh, that's how many eggs she's going to have in the morning. So the next day, sure enough, he got up, went out to the hen house, and that hen had laid that exact number that he had thought. That encounter started him on a journey of determination to fulfill that call in a way that would be pleasing to God and beneficial to God's people. So it's the simple things. I don't have the reference now, but in God's Word, it talks about how He takes the simple things to confound the wise. You know, it was a simple word of knowledge about my little brother needing affection and unconditional love. It didn't matter to anyone other than the two of us. When um, Larry knew how many eggs he had, it didn't matter. It didn't make them taste better. It didn't gather them up and lay them at his feet. But it stirred up that gift in him that he knew, God wants to tell me his secrets. So it caused him to have ears to hear. And today I pray that you have a heart that says, God, I want ears to hear. I want spiritual ears to hear you not just my natural ears when I hear a message being preached, but I want to hear you in my, by the Spirit.
So let's talk about faith, because that is how we hear. Faith is how we're saved. Faith is how we use our gifts and our calling. Faith is the key you must have. Faith that Jesus lives in your heart. If you prayed the prayer of salvation, he also, though, enjoys or delights speaking to you, sharing his thoughts or his mind. That is what happened with the encounter of Larry and a man named Richard. So I want to now come to the book of the user-friendly prophecy. If you happen to have that book, it's going to be on page six. If not, you can make a note of it to just hold me accountable. I want to read, a. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story, but just pieces of this story that really encouraged me. He said, I, um, after he was determined to allow God to use him, he said he had a prophetic dream, this was later on in years, that he was instructed to visit New York City. He was given no further information other than seeing a vision of a white late model car, which would later play a significant role in his trip. Second, in spite of the fact that he was broke, scared, and had never ventured out of his home state, much less flown on a plane, he was determined to obey what he believed to be a prophetic word from the Lord. And third, out of obedience, he was now standing in a strange city completely dependent upon God, God's leading and provision. He was in New York City. He was totally alone with no place to stay. And to com- complicate things, he had used all but $100 of his money to play, pay for the round-trip airfare ticket. So holding on to the last few dollars, he stumbled into a hotel cafe to have a cup of coffee and to ponder his strange predicament. He felt doubts coming up within him. And as you step out, the enemy will bring doubts to you. He's brought doubts to me. But if we fear not and we trust the Lord and we press through those doubts, we will see the results just as Larry saw them. So it goes on. His story says, As he sipped the warm coffee, he felt the Spirit of the Lord descend upon him. Although he didn't know why, his attention was drawn to a man sitting at a table in the back of the restaurant. He was middle-aged and well-dressed. He seemed to be dining alone. At first, it appeared that gentleman's attention was focused upon his food. However, as their eyes met, he seemed to lose interest in everything but the exchange of the glances. Every few seconds, the man would look up from his table and stare at Larry as if he desperately needed something. At this point, Larry thought, what's wrong with this guy? What's going on? What does he need from me? He didn't display any obvious signs of trouble or pain, nor did there seem to be anything out of the ordinary about this man other than a rather melancholy expression on his face. He goes on to say, For the first time since leaving Arkansas, the Lord began to speak. God indicated that the man 
in the business suit was suicidal and that I was to go sit down beside him. Well, at that point, Larry was shocked. I've flown all the way here, and even though I've been afraid of heights, I did it. I was willing to come to New York City, he says, but I refuse to make a fool of myself in this restaurant. I've been in those places as well, just like he is, in the middle of our story. So, Larry told God, if you want me to speak to this man, you will have to have him approach me. We all need helps once in a while, don't we? So, uh, I'm going to skip forward just a, a little bit. Um, this man was raised as a Catholic. That's neither speaking nor bad or good, but he did have uh, a church, and he went to Mass. He believed in God. However, until recently, he had seen no reason to commit his life to the Lord. But eight months before this encounter, much to his demise and those that knew him, his wife of many years filed for divorce. He had been asked to move out of his home and was forbidden to speak to his children. To add to this dilemma, his business began to falter. He had lost all hope and could not find a reason to live. Two days prior to his their meeting, he had left his home in Wisconsin to drive to New York for a business meeting. In his mind, it was the last trip he would ever take. Once he had concluded his business, he was determined to kill himself with the gun that he had stashed in his glove compartment. En route to New York, something significant happened. He had turned on his car radio to a gospel station, and he heard R.W. Schambach preach the message of salvation. For the first time in his life, Richard, this is the businessman's name, had decided to pray, Lord, if you're really there and you care about me, I want to know. Otherwise, I'm going to kill myself. At that point, he made an unusual request of the Lord. Almost reluctantly, he muttered, God, if you will send someone to talk to me while I'm in New York, I will reconsider my plans. And I love the part of that because that's all God needs. It's just a little spot of us to give him. So as they sat there and Larry heard Richard's story, he paused to gather his thoughts. Then in faith, he opened his mouth, believing that God would give him the right thing to say. He said, Sir, now I know why I'm in New York. Would you believe that God loves you so much that he would go to any lengths or extremes to help you? He moved heaven and earth to bring me here. He orchestrated this meeting. God loves you. Please don't take your life, he goes on to say. With tears running down his face, Richard reached out, grabbed my hands, looking directly into my eyes. He said, what can I do to be saved? Will you come up to my hotel room and tell me more about God? I think I skipped the part where um, they interacted there at the cash register. Is where they finally encountered each other. So back to the story. Without hesitation, 
He responded, yes, God wants to save you and fill you with his Holy Spirit. Instantly, Richard responded with words of hope, and he led the Larry up to the room where he encountered the living God. They talked and prayed for several hours, and tears were shed. He was saved, delivered from his despair, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Apparently, it had taken months for God to orchestrate this meeting. But in the matter of hours, a miracle had taken place. Richard's life was forever changed. And the story doesn't change. Stop there. Richard felt that he should dry um. Richard paid for his hotel room and his meals while he was there. But Richard wanted to drive um, Larry back to the airport. So when he pulled up, Larry was stunned when he saw Richard's car. It was the same late model white car that he had seen in that prophetic dream in back in Arkansas. So see, even God, yes, Richard's life was saved, but God wanted to confirm to Larry he was exactly where he was supposed to be, doing exactly what God needed him to do. It is truly an endowment of God that is essential to the accomplishment of a spiritual ministry. And that was a spiritual trip that was taken from Arkansas to New York City. This experience, it goes on to say, taught me that it is a great thing to receive a prophetic word. It's an even greater act of spiritual maturity to obey that word. So we see from this story from the user-friendly prophecy, that prophecy or the prophetic can and often is used as an evangelistic outreach. Now I want to back up just a little bit. I don't want any of you to turn me off. You may go, I'm not getting on a plane. I'm not paying for an airline ticket to fly somewhere. You know, I don't believe that God will ask us to do anything that we're not willing to do. But I do believe God has put a desire in your heart. It is to be used for his kingdom and his glory. So I'm going to share a simpler story, but still impactful in two people's lives. This is the story, my story, about the blueberry syrup. See, I needed to be useful. I had retired from teaching, and I went from having some um, the staff and the students and the parents all interacting with me on a daily basis to being at home. I was grateful for a husband that that enjoyed having me home, but I had missed that continual outflow of uh, to multiple people. So one day, I just opened up Facebook and, and just did, as, as we all do, flip through there and just see the pictures or the comments. And I saw um, a young stay-at-home mom she was very pregnant at this point. It was in the winter time, And she just made the comment of how she had had a weird craving for uh, blueberry syrup for her pancakes. And she had tried to find some, and there was none to be found in the store. And I thought, you know, I, but I had compassion for her. It seemed like such a simple thing that she desired, but she was being denied. And all of this happened like, in very random, 
quick moments. It wasn't a long, drawn-out thing, but I felt an unction to go check my cabinet. And sure enough, I went, because I also enjoy blueberry syrup. I went in there, opened my cabinet, and there was a brand new bottle that had never been opened. And then the Lord reminded me of, of back in the summertime when I was at the store, I had that feeling, you need to grab that jar, that bottle of blueberry syrup. And I usually those conversations go something like, but I have some at home. I don't need another. But you will. So I had learned to follow that unction. So I contacted this young pregnant pregnant mama, stay-at-home wife, and asked her if I could come over. And I had something for her. And so I opened the door, and there with her face beaming, I was able to give her the blueberry syrup. Such a small thing, but it made a huge difference. It let that stay-at-home mama know that God saw her. He heard her need, and he had already made provision for her need to be met. And he made a provision for me to be feel useful in someone else's life other than my own and my own family. And I love that about prophecy, how it allows people to know God, sees them, and hears them. And he cares. And he's been moving and operating in circumstances and ways that they don't, didn't even know about. So now I want to go over to Ephesians 4. And I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 7. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, the Lord, one faith, one baptismal, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Unity and peace, first with God, then with others, will make a huge difference. We can't mistreat people, then expect them to be open to receive a word from God through us. We must treat each relationship or encounter as if they are a potential recipient of a prophetic word. On my way here to record this morning, um, I have a dear um, brother, and he was talking about how he had done like seven weddings and seven funerals in a short amount of time. And he was talking about how we're in a time and a season in, in our society that people are real quick. Whatever you give out, you get back. So if we're short with someone at the grocery store or if we're being ugly to the waitress because our order is wrong or ugly will be what we get back. But we, as God's people, are called to live higher than that. So just think, 
if you give mercy, if you give patience and kindness, if if we give a smile, you know, oftentimes um, when people don't understand something, when they look, the countenance on their face, they're just trying to figure it out, but it doesn't look friendly. It doesn't look inviting. So as we keep our heart stirred up with thoughts of God's goodness and faithfulness and our emotions in line to know that he is a good father and our face will shine forth. So if we smile at the person checking us out or if someone's having a a hard day or they've dropped something, if we just take a moment to help another human being, how much better are we reflecting the love and peace of God into our world? So I just love that reminder this morning. It goes right into our message um, or a session that we're talking about today. In 1 Corinthians 13.1, we must have love. Otherwise, we are just a clanging cymbals and sounding brass. That is an annoying sound, isn't it? I used to be in band uh, in the flag corps, but we, of course, we met with the, the band. And one of the most annoying sounds were those cymbals being banged together because it would just echo and echo and echo through the room in not a good way. And so when we are filled up from our relationship with the Lord, with his love and his joy and his patience, his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control, peace, then that flows out of us onto others. And as we abide in his love, When we do speak then, our words will penetrate people's hearts and we won't be sounding annoying and frustrating. We will be messengers of God's hope and love. We will be edifying, exhorting, and bringing comfort to those around us. In John 15, 9 through 17, It tells us no greater love has a man than he lays down his life for another. We must lay down our comfort and serve one another. Do you think that it was comfortable for Larry to leave Arkansas and to go into New York? I don't think so. But he knew he had that dream of God. He had that word from God to go. So he laid down his life in Arkansas. He made himself uncomfortable, and he served God. Now, again, God may not be asking you to do something that drastic. I shared my story about the uh, blueberry syrup. It was in the wintertime. It was cold outside. That's just a small inconvenience, but it's still God doesn't look at the size of the sacrifice, but the heart behind it. Are we giving cheerfully? Are we using our gift and our calling cheerfully for him? Then God reveals his secrets to his friends. Well, I've already talked about that, haven't I? And I shared about how much I love that song. So how do we hear a secret? What happens when we hear a word from God? That is what I would like to talk to you next about. So, 
when I think I hear a word from God. I real quickly, I'll go over these things a little bit deeper later. But when I, what I'm saying is, I have a thought, and I think, oh, where did that thought came from? Because I might be doing my laundry. In the middle of doing my laundry, I may get a thought about someone or hear, you need to call so-and-so. Or uh, when you're done with that, I need, would you go, a lot of times, this is, would you go into Walmart? <laughs> it's time to go. So, or he may say, so-and-so needs to hear that I love them. And I know they're having a bad day, but I haven't forsaken them. And when you hear those things, that's what I'm talking about. For me, all, more times than hearing, I see something. And it's more like um, we used to have these little viewfinders. And you would put a disc in the top and you would click the handle on the side and it would flash a picture and it had like 10 pictures. And by the time you got through all the 10, it told a short little story. But each little film piece had its own picture of the bigger picture. And so oftentimes that's what will happen is I'll just see a picture of somebody or something. And I know God's wanting to tell me a secret or use me prophetically. So the first thing I normally do is I pray. I ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you want me to do with this? Oftentimes, he says, I just want you to pray for them. And God will lead me in that prayer, how to pray for them, what scriptures to speak over them. And then when, when it's not just prayer, he'll give me an action step. Text them, call them, go take Sometimes that'll be even what I hear. I'll say, go take some, if I've made a batch of cookies, go take someone a jar of those cookies. And when I get there, then I realize, oh, they need ministry. And then the Lord flows through me to minister to them. The second thing, if while I'm praying, I hear directions or instructions or the word, a word to share, then I do that. I don't do any more than what he has instructed me, but I don't. I try my best to do nothing less. There have been times when I felt like I was supposed to go somewhere or to someone, and circumstances within my own family kept me from actually getting to them, and that's when I reached out to them, either in a phone call or a text. And there's been times my family has changed their plans for me to obey what the Lord has given me. And so you just have to follow peace on, on your action steps, but you'll never regret obedience. And the third thing, if I don't hear an action step, I pray for them until I feel that release. So I first pray over what I have seen or heard. Lord, do you want to show me some more? What do you want me to do about it? Then if he gives me action steps, I do those action steps. If he doesn't give me action steps and he says, just pray, I pray for them until I feel that peace return and it lifts. It's kind of like you sitting down, you're starving and you sit down and you eat. Then all of a sudden you go, I'm full. I don't want to eat anymore. 
Well, the same thing happens when you're eating interceding for someone. You have a burden. There's an empty spot for them. And you pray the scripture. You pray as the spirit leads. You pray what you do know. And then there'll be a spot where you go, okay, they're covered. Much like getting full at the dinner table and you'll know, I can stop now. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will bring it back up to you. But oftentimes what will happen is that person will cross your path. And then you can physically check in on them if there's a piece to do that. So at this time, I want to just summarize what we've been talking about. That prophetic can be evangelistic. The salvation of Richard, if you will remember, it ended in a salvation, didn't it? The second thing, prophecy allows people to feel they have been seen or heard. Thirdly, it is all about God and from God's love. That same love that sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be saved. Prophecy is just from that same place. God's not asking us to die on a cross. He's not asking us to be beaten. He's not asking us to allow a, thorn, a crown of thorns on our head. He's just asking us to use our voice. Sometimes what we have, like in my case, the little jar of blueberry syrup, to be his hands and feet up on this earth. Then I just now shared with you some action steps. When you are a friend of God and you hear him speaking or he gives you that impression, what to do with that impression, or at least the beginning of what to do. So I want to pray over you. Um, Lord God, I thank you for everyone listening today. I pray especially like we did on the front. If there is anyone like Richard in our story that is distraught, they feel hopeless, they feel unseen, I pray today that they know that you see them, you love them, and even though situations or people in our lives may seem hopeless, our hope comes from you in your word. I pray that they would open your written word or that you would bring a messenger across their path like you did, Richard. I feel like if they're listening here today, you've brought me across their path. And I want them to know God loves you. Jesus shed his blood for you. And no matter how hard things may feel right now. God is greater. Our God is able. In our God, we get our confidence. So I pray for that sister right now to reach out and just say, God, I want to be hopeful. I want to trust you. I'm just tired. And that I see God just saying, it's okay. 
Give me your tired and I'll give you my truth. Give me your weariness. I'll give you my word. I just thank you for blessing each one. As I close out, I want to read the words to a song. You probably have heard it. It is called, the title is Confidence. And this song says, I'm not a warrior. I'm too afraid to lose. I feel unqualified for what you're calling me to. But Lord, with your strength, I've got no excuse. Because broken people are exactly who you use. So if you feel broken out there, then God goes, you're the one that this podcast was made for. I say you are broken no more because it is in our weakness that he is made strong. We give him our weakness. He gives us his strength. The chorus of this song goes on to say, so give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. We thank you today for your faith, Lord. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Give me a heart like David. Lord, be my defense. No matter what's coming against you, we have Jesus. He is our defender. The the line here in the course is, so I can face my giants with confidence. Sometimes our giants are our own thoughts, our own emotions and our own desires. The second verse goes on, and be encouraged as you hear this. You took a shepherd boy and made him a king, so I'm going to trust you and give you everything. I am a conqueror because you fight for me. I am a champion claiming your victory. See, Jesus bought us victory when he died on the cross and rose again on that third day. He destroyed the enemy. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes. Jesus came so we could have life. And that is how we are the champion, because he was our champion by choice. The song goes on to say, I'm going to sing and shout, and shake the walls. Those things that have held us back, I won't stop until I see them fall. I'm going to stand up, step out, when you call Jesus. As we speak the name of Jesus, walls fall. Every knee bows at the name of Jesus. As you ask us to share a word or do an action step, Lord, we want to step out, get out of our own walls of comfort, and let Jesus be known on earth. It ends with, I'll face my giants with confidence. No, it's not us. But it is God through us that can. Lord, we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to speak to us and to speak through us from this day forward. We do that with your confidence, knowing that if God be for me, 
who or what could be against me. I thank you again for being with me and giving on an entourage, giving me this opportunity to share a little spot into the life of the prophetic. May you be blessed. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 